The tongue is a dangerous instrument. It'll tell people who you really are, and it'll give you away. That's some of the wisdom that we'll hear from Proverbs 15 today on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm Steve Schwetz, and if you don't already know, December is Letter Month, and that's a special time here at Through the Bible that we celebrate the impact that God's Word is having in our lives. And then we ask you to share your stories, and we share the stories of others, like this one from Fraser in Brunswick, Georgia. The book of Job was transformative, Fraser writes. God has granted me a new relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, a new relationship with my friends. Friends, and through the gospel of grace, a new relationship with myself. Amen. Well, thanks, Fraser. I love your passion and enthusiasm for God's word. You know, we'd love to hear from you, too. So you can email us at BibleBus at TTB.org. And you can always write to us at Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes so that we can see the great things that you prepared for us to hear and to live today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're off to Proverbs 15 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now with your Bible open, and let me read now, Proverbs 15, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Now, I'm sure that the one that comes to your mind at this particular point is Abigail and Nabal. Abigail, a very beautiful, lovely wife and woman, and Nabal, her husband, a fool, but a very rich man. Someone has written a book called Beauty and the Beast, and it's the story of Nabal and Abigail, our Abigail is the beauty, and Nabal is the beast. And you will recall, again, we've seen several proverbs that are applicable to them in particular. You will recall that Abigail, when she heard that her husband had sent an insulting answer to David, who had in kindness and consideration had taken care of the flocks of this man, why, then this girl, this wife, she has the servants get together a great deal of food. And she starts out to meet David. And when she sees him, she goes down upon her face before him and bows before him. She recognizes him as a king, and she speaks of the fact that his life was bound up in the bundle of life with God. What a beautiful, wonderful thing that was. She gave a soft answer, and it did turn away wrath. But we are told grievous words stir up anger. And certainly that was true in the life of these two. Now, you find other illustrations of that as you go through the Word of God. You find that the Lord Jesus now uses the strongest language in the Scripture. You find that, for instance, in the time that he gave that denunciation of the Pharisees in the 23rd of Matthew. That's probably the harshest language in the Bible. Now, it doesn't mean that there isn't a time that it needs, as the old saying is, to put it on the line. And he certainly could do that. But notice how gracious he could be to those that needed the grace of God, that poor woman in sin. Neither do I condemn thee, but go 
and sin no more. What a gracious thing that was. And you will find in the Word of God again and again illustrations of this in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. You find that many gave a very gracious, soft answer. And then there are times when it needs to be strong. But now we come to the second verse, the tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Now here we are back again to the tongue. And I want to repeat again a thing I said before. I say again, I know I'll say it when we get to the little epistle of James, that there's more said about the abuse of the tongue than there is about the abuse of alcohol. Now, that doesn't mean that we command alcohol. I think that the greatest curse of this country right now is not dope, drugs. I think the greatest curse is alcohol, because today they point the finger at the man that is a drug addict. But the alcoholic, he's sick, and he needs help, and he certainly does. And it's not considered... a sin today to be an alcoholic or to be a drunkard. And the Word of God makes it very clear that there's nothing quite as bad as that. But yet, even above that is this use and abuse of the tongue. It's something that can make you, well, it gives you away, and it tells who you are. It's a dangerous little instrument. And we'll be talking about that when we get to James. But there's so much said about it here in the book of Proverbs. Now we have here in verse 3, "...the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good." Now, you may look to the right hand and to the left hand, and nobody's watching. Big Brother may not be watching you, but God is. God is watching you. Remember Moses, when he went out to slay that Egyptian... He looked this way, and he looked that way, and then he slew the Egyptian. Didn't think anybody knew. God knew. The thing is that your life and my life is an open book before God. And what is secret sin down here is open scandal in heaven. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. He beholds the evil and the good. Then verse 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life but perverseness therein is a breach in the Spirit. And here we go again, the tongue. It can be a blessing or it can be a curse to you. The tongue can get us into a lot of trouble, and it can get us out of trouble too. And then in verse 5, "...a fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent." And there's so much said in the book of Proverbs about listening to advice and instruction. We're living in a day when it is said that you can't tell a fool anything. You can't get through to him for the very simple reason he's not listening to instruction at all. Now, verse 6, "...in the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble." Now, it's not contrasting material riches here at all. The treasure that is in the house of the righteous, there is there so many wonderful things like joy and peace. 
and there is love, and there is sympathy, and there is comfort. All of these things that are there. And we need to recognize that these things are the things that are the great treasure. And that's the thing that he's talking about here. Now, again, we're changing it a little because it's not the tongue now, but the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. That's verse 7. The wise disperse knowledge. And then verse 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Now, this is a very wonderful verse here. The wicked cannot do good nor think right. It's impossible for them to do that. Notice what verse 26 says. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. Now, the thoughts of the wicked, and here you have the sacrifice of the wicked, that which he brings, that which he does. And the reason is that he's wrong. He's wrong inside and outside, and he's all wrong. Therefore, the problem is that he has not learned to come in humility, in recognition of his lost condition, and come to Christ for salvation. Someone has put it like this. A person who trusts so much as a single hair's bread to his works for salvation is a lost soul. And that's true. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Now, he may be religious. He may go to church. He may go through certain formality. But that is no good if the man's heart is wicked to begin with. I don't know why people think if they do religious things, it makes them religious. My friend, your heart has to be changed. God does interior decorating long before he does exterior decorating. And he's not interested in your exterior decorating until he does a job of interior decorating. Now, notice verse 9. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord. Now, we have the sacrifice of the wicked. We have the way of the wicked. And then the thoughts of the wicked. It's an abomination unto the Lord. But he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. And who's made unto us righteousness? It's Christ. There is a belief today. A man thinks, well, if I do it myself, and if a man even trusts in just a hair's breadth, as we've seen in this little man-made proverb, and it's one that is absolutely accurate. Now we find verse 10, "...correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die." A man hates to be told that he's wrong. And you just can't tell some of these folks anything at all. And now let me continue to move down here. Hell and destruction are Hades, or Sheol here, and destruction are before the Lord. How much more than the hearts of the children of man. Now, this is another one of these tremendous ones that we have here. And I think that the thought is Sheol and destruction are before Jehovah. How much more than the hearts of the sons of man? And then a scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, 
neither will he go unto the wise. In other words, the one with whom you and I have to do, we're told all things are naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do, and that he is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And the unseen world, which no man today has seen, and the man of the world does not believe in it. Only God today can make that unseen world real to a child of God, and therefore give him a true perspective of this life. You see, when you live today with the idea that this life is all, your values will change, and certain things will have top priority that, in the case of a child of God, would never have top priority at all. And so it's very important to get a man's perspective of life, of how he's thinking. Certainly, only God can reveal what is on the other side in the unseen world. You and I can't do it, and only the Spirit of God can take the things of Christ, show them unto us, and make these things real. Now, he has passed over today. He walked this earth 1,900 years ago in the flesh. He stepped through the doorway of death, but he came back the third day. And for 40 days, he revealed himself. And then he went back into glory and only the Spirit of God can make him real to us. The Lord Jesus said, He'll take the things of mine and shall show them unto you. Now, that's very important to see. And by the way, we need to see it today. Now, verse 13, A glad heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is broken. And it is known that laughter and good cheer and joy actually add to a man's health and the length of his life. It brings in to his life wonderful dimensions that were not there and cannot be there if we live in sorrow and pessimism today. Now we read in verse 14, we're still talking about the heart. You see, we talked a great deal about the tongue. Now we're talking about the heart. The heart of him that hath understandeth seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. Now, he's talking here about the heart of man, not the head of man. And we're talking here now not so much about accumulating certain facts, but that we also be able to have a spiritual discernment, or, as someone has put it, sanctified common sense. And you know there's a dearth of that. There's a famine of that in the land today. And we need to recognize that this is something that is very, very important. Now, I'll drop down to verse 16 here. Better is little with the fear of Jehovah than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. Now, if you want an illustration of this in the Bible, well... It's found in the life of Daniel. Now, you remember he was taken as a slave. He showed remarkable ability, and he was put with the wise man, and he was to be given a certain diet that they thought would develop him. And he turned that down because that meat was something he would not eat. And he asked for a cereal, actually. If you read that, and we'll see it when we get to it. But Daniel is asking for his Wheaties. 
And he wants that. Now, this was something that he had, and it was because of his fear of the Lord. He wanted to serve God. And my, how God honored that man. He made him prime minister, who the first great world ruler, and made him prime minister to the second great world ruler and the second great world empire, Cyrus the Great, so that God honored this servant of his. Now we have here in verse 18, a wrathful man stirreth up contention, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. And that takes you back, of course, to the very first verse that we had, and a very important verse, by the way, that a man that is crude and rough in his dealings, why, he will stir up strife. And now, again, remember the Lord Jesus was the most controversial person that's ever been on this earth. And where the truth is preached, there's going to be trouble because the ones that don't want to hear it, I've said this before. I want to repeat it again because I believe that the Word of God is like a Geiger counter. You just start running it over a congregation and you'll find out who's genuine and who's not. doesn't take you long to do that. I said to a young preacher, he said, I was having trouble. I said, I tell you, you preach the Word of God. And I said, you give out the Word of God, the light of the gospel. And when you do that, I said, you'll find two things are going to happen. Always does. Now, when the light is given, and I told him, I said, when I was a boy, I used to have to go out the barn at night and feed sometimes the horse, uh, the cow. And I said, I'd light a lantern, and I'd go out there. And I said, the minute that you open the barn door and step in, the rats will all run for cover. And the birds that are roosting up in the rafters, they begin to sing. Light has two effects, you see. The rats will run for cover. And so when you give out the Word of God, you're going to see two things happen. But we need to recognize the fact that we do not need to exaggerate the fact that the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ today is an offense. We don't need to exaggerate it, just preach it. And that, I think, is the important thing to keep in mind and the thing that he is saying here. Now, let me drop on down here in verse 20. We're told that a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. You see, a father brags of a boy if he's making good. If he's not, you won't hear a word out of him. Verse 21, folly is joy to him, that is destitute of heart, but a man of understandeth walketh uprightly. Now, verse 23, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. And you know, it's not only what you say, but when you say it, that's important. Sometimes just the right word at the right time will do the job. May I say, and many of us, if we would testify today, could tell you that the right word was said at the right time in our own lives that changed our lives. And that certainly happened to me. Verse 26, The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure pleasant words. Now, we've seen that before when we considered the sacrifice of the wicked and the way of the wicked and the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. The wicked has to be turned from his wicked way, and he has to be turned to God. Now, I drop down to verse 29. 
The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. And I wonder if you recognize that in the Word of God, Peter says this, that he hears the prayer. That's interesting. Of the righteous, but his ears are closed to the prayer of the wicked. And God makes that very clear, friends. The Lord's far from the wicked. He heareth the prayer of the righteous. Verse 30, the light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat. I tell you that one of the best ways to lose weight is to get a bad report, is to hear bad news. And then the last one, verse 33 in this chapter, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Coming with humility to learn of God, to bow before Him. That's the important lesson for man to learn. We'll hear more from Dr. McGee, but first, I want to invite you back next time to go through Proverbs chapter 16. Until then, you can reach us at ttb.org or 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now here again is Dr. McGee. It's a scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. The scorner is one that will not listen to advice at all. And then over 19, which we passed over also, the sluggard is mentioned again. The way of the sluggard is as a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright shall be made plain. The way of the sluggard is as a hedge of thorns. In other words, he never seems to be able to get anything done when he does make a little effort to do it. It's a revelation of the fact that the sluggard is actually lazy. Now we come in verse 21. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of heart, but a man of understanding walketh uprightly. And that probably could be written over Las Vegas and Hollywood and maybe some other pleasure places of the country. The folly today that men are engaging in is then not being smart. And yet the whole intent of our present-day culture is to give the impression that you are smart and sharp and sophisticated if you engage in this sort of thing. But the Word of God here is still good, by the way. Now in verse 22, he says, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in a multitude of counselors, they shall be established. And the whole intent here is good advice. Seek good advice in this life. And certainly many of us have found out that that's the only way to go, by the way. And in verse 24, we have the way of life is above to the understanding that he may depart from Sheol beneath. And Sheol actually means death, and all that is beyond it is generally included in it, but it refers to death. And that is something that every person, in considering this life that we live down here, it comes to an abrupt end sooner or later. And that should be in the consideration of every person of wisdom, you see. Now, I go to verse 27. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. 
In other words, there's some men that can be bribed. And we have seen that in government today. We've seen it in business. We've seen it everywhere. And it does not pay. The advice is, no, not that way. That was Judas's method. He was given a bribe to sell Jesus. And there have been a great many selling him ever since then. I come now to verses 31, 32 near the end. It says, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. He that refuseth admonition despiseth his own soul. He that heareth reproof getteth understanding. In other words, the whole thought and intent through these verses is, don't be a scorner. Don't be lazy. Look for advice, good advice, wise advice. I have never made a move as a pastor, but what I first went and asked advice of men in whom I had confidence. I've always found it's been a good way to go. Well, we'll have to leave off here and so on. Till next time, may the Lord richly bless you, my beloved. grateful for our committed listening family who faithfully pray and invest in Through the Bible as we together take the whole word to the whole world.